Welcome to the 87th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest who braved the Appalachian Trail, Mike Joyce. If you're new to the show, welcome and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. Mike's motto, the only person who is stopping me from anything is myself, made him the perfect guest. Before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, today's podcast is brought to you with support from Courage Endures, whose mission is to help those with chronic illness navigate their lifelong journey through movement and community. They recognize, promote, and celebrate those who choose courage over challenge on their pursuit towards health, happiness, and optimal living. They're the perfect partner for this. If you're interested in getting involved or sponsoring an episode, please contact Cynthia, Director of Partnerships and Development, at Cynthia at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. Number two, <laughs> I pumped the brakes a little bit on this episode because, <laughs> drum roll please, I'm partnering with the National Park Service and a number of reputable brands to get people living with diabetes on the trails. We're all outside these days, we're trying to be more active, and this is an exciting partnership. Uh, but I want you to get involved, so I'm pitching a contest. What hashtag would you use to encourage diet peeps to hit the trails? The person with the most creative hashtag will win a lofty gift of goodies to help you live your best active life. Please shoot your ideas via social media or to Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. I can't wait to see what you come up with because I have come up with everything I can think of and it's kind of ridiculous. Um, number three, if you would like to see me interview Mike, head on over to the DDG YouTube channel. I literally giggled throughout this episode. You'll, you'll soon learn why. Number four, please click on the Amazon banner on diabetesdailygrind.com before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. Number five, stay engaged. Love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. Sign up for the e-newsletter, leave an iTunes review, and subscribe to the DDG YouTube channel. That's a mouthful. And you know what? You can always contact me directly um, you can email me anything. I'm, I'm here for you, diapeeps. Uh, I can be reached anytime at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. All right, enough rambling. Let's get started. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sorry, my name is paid to party. It's my trivia name. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking when I popped up, I was like, do I accept this? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, my girlfriend's dad's boat is called Paid to Party, so we named our trivia team Paid to Party. I like it. It's creative. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the show. <laughs> um, 
And thanks for taking time, uh, obviously, to, to make it on the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. So where are you calling in from? I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Nice. How are things going there? You guys in lockdown? Kind of. I, don't know. I worked in a restaurant and we are not, we just reopened and I'm not going back because I was just here for season and season yeah. is over. So there's not really much money to be made since all the snowbirds went home, I think, or I, I don't know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. It's weird. It felt like the weather was nice and there weren't people here. Right. Which is the opposite of what's normally happening. So it was, it was kind of nice, but the beach is closed. There weren't, there wasn't a lot to be able to do. So. Right. Well, um, yeah, it's crazy times for people, all people. Where, where are you? I'm in Oklahoma city. Uh-huh. And, um, we, I've been, I chose, I've quarantined pretty seriously for the past, I'd say now eight weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and just not out of fear, but I, I don't need to be anywhere. I work from home anyway, so that's kind of nice. Okay. Ventured out a couple of times and had happy hour on a friend's porch or whatever, but I will say that doing the podcast and some of the other things, um, the ability to connect with people has been kind of nice because I always think about when I sit down with a guest, it's like we're having a drink together or something. So social hour than anything else. Um, So I want to just jump into a couple of things and I have no real agenda, just a couple of talking points. I always start with diagnosis stories. Everyone's is similar, but not the same. Uh, yeah, I was nine. It was Groundhog's Day. So I've been reliving Groundhog's Day by uh, trying to get it right every day. Not really being successful at it, but sometimes being successful. <laughs> Still have diabetes the next day. So um, right. yeah, Groundhog's Day of 96. Um, so... 23 years, 24 years now. Um, was it? Do you remember? What's that? Oh, Groundhog's Day, duh. Jeez. Yes. Oh, yeah. February 2nd. February 2nd. Um, yeah, I was... I didn't really... I don't know. I don't remember too much um, of, like, fear or anything, except, like, I heard the word die and saw my mom crying, and I was right. like, oh, am I going to die? And that was cleared pretty quickly that that's wasn't wasn't the result of diabetes necessarily um and you weren't uh, with dka right no i wasn't my blood sugar is like 500 um my cousin who was in his 20s was diagnosed i think he was like you know he was diagnosed as type 2 and then the medication stopped working he's type 1 he is in fact type 1 um, so my mom had like kind of an idea of like the symptoms. So for, you know, 500 is a high blood sugar, but yeah. not at, not necessarily at diagnosis, um, especially back at that time. Um, I think we caught it pretty early. I had lost some weight, but I wasn't like, I, I don't think I was necessarily in DKA. Um, I spent like, spent about a week in the hospital. I think it's like five, five days, six days. Um, did you, live, yeah, it was, did you learn how to give a shot on an orange? Yeah, they did the orange. Uh, I couldn't leave until I gave a shot to myself, an actual right. shot, dry, drying up insulin. Um, and Is I didn't it, really, like, I liked the hospital. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, they had a Super Nintendo, so 
my dad came brought like Super Nintendo games from home so I could play video games while I was in the hospital. It was better than school. So well, let me. Okay, and it's so crazy. There's two things on that. Like kids that are diagnosed today, God bless them. They get a backpack. Their parents are there maybe for a day, and then they send them along. And I'm like, I can't imagine that because I was in the hospital for like almost two weeks. I wasn't in DKA, but for me too, even though I didn't want to be there, I had roller skates. I would skate the floor, and you know, there was. I mean, there was a lot of good. I got toys all the time, you know, because they would bring by the toy cart. So, yeah, I mean, it was a horrible situation, you know, essentially. But I guess I made the the best of it. So I'm glad. Yeah, I think they did a good job of making it like relatively comfortable for me, being nine years old. Like I, I didn't really know the, like. I, I don't think I fully grasped the foreverness of it. Right. You know, like it was just like, oh, this is just what's happening now. Like, and I didn't see myself as different from other people initially. Like, right. you know, that, that, that comes with time. So uh, I just kind of thought this was something that like, oh, everyone has their, their weird thing that they have to go to the hospital for at some point. <laughs> um, was it, do you recall having to give your first shot? I mean, do you remember the feelings there? Uh, no, I didn't really, I never really had a problem with shots. So I never really like was like apprehensive to do it. I kind of thought it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like it it had like this, like, I don't know if it made me like think I was like brave or something like, 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 oh, wow, I'm a, I'm a badass. I can take a shot. Like. (laughs) Like, and and I, I thought, like, I thought my friends would be, like, more interested in it than so you're anyone like ever is. Here for questions. Yeah, I was like, look at how cool it. this is. Like, I have to take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> that was the exact opposite. I kept everything pretty hidden. I just, whatever, unless I had to drag stuff out. But uh, And yeah. then, like, six six months later, I went to camp. Like, my parents okay. sent me off to diabetes camp. So, like, everything was still fresh and, like, so then, like, immediately that summer, I was in a cabin with, like, eight other kids who I'm still, you know, in touch with today. That's cool. I, I st- stayed with one while I was hiking the Appalachian Trail this summer um, and caught up with an old counselor while I was hiking and, like, different different people from camp I reconnected with uh, on this, like, last adventure I was on. Yeah, we're going to jump into that because, I like, I have read a couple of your blogs and man, I really, I'm not a, I'm not a camper or a glamper. If I were to go either <laughs> way, it would be glamping. And then let's not get ourselves when I joke about stuff like that. But like what all you have to do to prepare, I'm like, well, I'm not even going to go into that yet. I'm not even going to go. So family history of a cousin. Um, yeah, my cousin. And then it like, I don't know if it actually skips generations, but I hear a lot of times that it tends to skip generations. Mm-hmm. So like my mom and it, it's all from my mom's side and she and her brother and sister did not have it, but she had an aunt who had it. Okay. And I think an uncle, one of them died because they stopped taking their medication because some chiropractor said that like, they could fix them. Could cure them. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And then the other one had a, a child, which is pretty amazing because that was probably back in the 70s or something. She right. Had a, had a child, and um, I don't know much more than that about it. Um, Did she live through it? Yeah, she lived, she lived through – I don't know when she died. 
she's not alive anymore, but uh, she lived a relatively <laughs> normal life expectancy. Well, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so um, when you, I mean, you were diagnosed so long ago, so what did they put you on immediately? Was it NPH and regular? Yeah, regular and NPH, two shots a day, okay. um, and the exchange diet. Um, I don't even know what the exchange diet is. I mean, I mean, maybe that's... Well, it was like, because uh, uh, we were on the food pyramid, okay. so like it was the, like... It was basically starches, dairy, as in like milk or yogurt, right. and fruit. Those are like the three things that you eat that could or could not. Uh, that, that would cause your blood sugar to something to happen to your blood sugar. Oh, okay. So you got so many of each exchange. And if you didn't want milk, you could have extra potatoes or you could have like more, an, another piece of fruit or something. I don't know. It's, it didn't work. Like, let's get real. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be curious what your A was through those years. Uh, I don't Probably in the eights. I, I, I don't know. I, I've always had relatively good A1Cs, as in, like, never double digits. And, right. um, like, I, I've always been pretty well controlled. I went on a pump in, like, 1999, early 2000s. Um, so... I at least had the safety net of that um, right. for, for high school and college. Uh, I was on, I demoed the 507C and then went on the 508 um, mini med. And at that time it was just like mini med or Desitronic were like the two pumps out at the time. So crazy. So crazy. Yeah. Okay. So pump. Yeah. Stayed on. Right. I, I yeah, well, because I was going, I was going to go to probably three or four shots a day. I think Lantis was just coming out, so like yeah. I had, I had done the gambit of different long actings, uh, <laughs> Lente, Ultra Lente, mm -hmm. whatever else was out there, just trying to like keep it at two shots because doctors were like, right. and still are stuck in the way of doing things the same way for decades. So they wanted to stay on the two shot thing, and it. Um, so they were trying different different long acting insulins, trying to get that, trying to avoid having to go to multiple daily injections, even though multiple daily injections is probably the best way to manage without a pump. Um, right. And um, so I, I didn't try Lantus or like any of the basal insulins until I was probably in high school and I just wanted a pump vacation while I was at mm -hmm. summer camp. And so, like, we were going to a water park. I was like, I don't want to wear a like, I don't want to wear this like weird box to make it waterproof and like yeah. that didn't that you didn't even know if it would work. Like, <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, and so I, I was just like, I'm gonna take a pump vacation, and then I was just like, oh wow, I don't have to wear a pump, and I can have. And so then I eventually, I stayed on the pump through college, and then when I graduated college, I went off the pump because I didn't have good insurance. I graduated college with a liberal arts degree in the recession in 2009. There were no jobs. So like I didn't have insurance. I, I couldn't get pump supplies. I had some like Medicaid through Pennsylvania. And then when I left Pennsylvania, like most States don't have um, very good right. assistance for, for diabetes. So I went 
I was like, well, Lantis worked when I was at a, yeah. a water park. Let's see if I can make it work now. And um, I never went back to a pump. I'm not going to say I liked Lantis, but I never went back to a pump. Um, and I really have no intentions of ever going back to a pump. I, hmm. um, Why? They work really well until they don't work, and then things go bad quickly. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of issues where, like, pumps would, like, the tube would slip out. I wouldn't know. Pump failure. Yeah. I'm in the middle of working, and my blood sugar's 400. And the site change, extra site change that I had used two days ago, I hadn't replaced yet. So now I'm yeah throwing up in the parking lot trying to get home in time to get insulin on board and yeah uh, that's yeah so god and having no long acting insulin on board just is really frightening to me the idea of not having that is i can't imagine like i've never been on a pump and i say that often like and because i'm comfortable with multiple daily injections but i remember whenever um i asked my doctors i was like listen and i was in college just shortly out of it it's like listen i've been tapped putting on a lot of weight, hello, college life. I was like, is there anything, is, is there, can we change my insulin? Is there anything out there? And so they switched me um, to Atlantis and then, I don't know, Humalog or Novolog at the time. And I remember thinking, I'm like literally shaking my fist and like being so pissed. I was like, I went from two shots to now four shots plus a day. And I was like, damn, this makes me angry. But it made a world of difference and I lost like 25 pounds and months. I mean, it was crazy, the difference there. And it was, and that I started to have to car count carbs and I yeah. was like, damn, that's another thing I got to think about. But at the end of the day, it was, it was the, the right, the right choice. I don't meet many people that are still doing multiple daily injections by choice, you know, and I love all the technology that's out there and it's really helping, especially the younger people. But um, yeah, well, I think a CGM, like a CGM, like I was, a couple of years ago, I, I hit the point where I was like, I might have to go back to a pump because I can't get this right. Uh, Traceba hadn't hit the market yet. And just Lantus was, I was starting to split my Lantus dose to try yeah. to get it to like peak at the right times. Cause yeah. I was either going low overnight or like, yeah. And like going high at different times. And it's not a flat line, no matter how much they want to sell it as such. Um, and I was just getting really frustrated and I didn't have a CGM, so like I really had no idea what was happening um, right. between going to bed and waking up in the morning and uh, getting a CGM. Really, like you know, my goal with uh, multiple daily injections was to like have a A one C below seven. Like that's yeah. all I wanted because that's you know the goal that they seem keep shooting for is that seven mark so i was like i want to do that i want to do that i want to prove that i can i want to prove to my doctor that it can be done without a pump right because everyone's like saying the pump is the only way the pump is the only way and i don't really believe the pump is the only way um to do that and um i was able to get my a1c down to like 6.6 great um without a pump or without a pump and I don't know if that was before I went on the Dexcom or after I went on the Dexcom that I was able to do it, but it was like that totally changed. Yeah. The, the CGM changed 
everything for me because it allowed me to see how food impacted my blood sugar, when it impacted my blood sugar, like figured out when insulin actually started working instead of the 15 minutes that they say it, it works. And really an hour (laughs) later, you don't, you're still not seeing, I still wasn't seeing a curve on my CGM. So, um, yeah, it got me to think about more things, which is the overwhelming part of diabetes. But like when you have, it just a lot, like it opened my eyes to like timing doses, timing, like based on when I was eating. And And it makes you look at food differently too, because things that you would have never maybe thought of or um, stress. I mean, like when you see the stress, like shoot it straight up and we're going to go into, because everything we just talked about is obviously a part of your, well, hold on. You, there's, I could have 17 podcasts about your life with diabetes, (laughs) seriously. And so there may be a follow-up episode if we don't get into everything today, but you drastically changed your diet. Yes. And I read something and I can't quote it right now, but it was like, you went from couch potato to like running. I mean, it was like ridiculous. So I want to know your motivation for that. Okay. Well, I was really struggling with weight gain. Like, like the, like, as I was saying, I'd been able to get my A1C down to like 6.6 on multiple daily injections because of the CGM. But like the, I didn't realize I was doing things like feeding my insulin. Like I was having all these low blood sugars and I like had to eat because I, so like I was, I've had a horrible relationship with food. I don't know any diabetic that has a good relationship with food because we've constantly had to measure and count everything that we put in our body. Um, You feel guilty if it's not the thing that you know you should be choosing. Yeah. Or, and then like when you see what it does to your blood sugar, you feel guilty again, or you feel guilty because you didn't do the insulin right. Right. Or you just like, like yeah. it, and it's just, um, I was tired of doing that. I was tired of, I was gaining so much weight. I, I, I was like pushing 300 pounds. I think I was like yeah. 275, maybe 280 at my highest. And, um, I was just like so uncomfortable and I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was. Right. I didn't realize how many headaches I was having from just like, fluctuating blood sugars even though they weren't even though my a1c was good like i was still having the the ups and downs um because it's more of an average and um so like i i focus more on standard deviation now like with my cgm um because i want to i want to tighten those those peaks and valleys so for people that don't understand or, or know the term standard deviation, wh- how would you describe it? It's statistics, which I'm not that great at, but it, it's, it's some, my understanding of it is like the number is how high and how much above and below the average you are two thirds of the time. Right. Or something like it's like 60 percent or 70 percent of the time you are like my goal is to be say uh, 90 to 100 with a standard deviation of about 20 right which okay. would put me somewhere between 70 and 120 most of the time right <laughs> what's your goal blood sugar uh it depends on what i'm doing 
that's a good point. But when I'm sitting around the house doing nothing, I like to be between 80 and 90. Uh, if I'm going for a long run, I'll push up to 140. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't really like to be over 140. I don't really like to be under 70. Yeah. 75 is probably when I start to like feel it, feel, feel I get hungry. Usually you like feel it any other ways so you get shaky or sweaty. Uh, depending on how quickly I drop. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if I'm dropping quickly, I'll get most of my blood sugars drop when I'm like running. Yeah. And so like I'll be feeling really good. And then all of a sudden I'm like walking a lot and I'm like, what is going on? And like my CGM hasn't caught up, but it's starting to dip and I'm probably in the seventies. Right. Even though the CGM saying I'm 90 and like, um, so I try to eat glucose tabs while I run. Um, as long as my runs over like three or four miles, I'll need it. If if my runs less than that, I'm fine. Sometimes I'll just try to eat like peanut butter before I go for a run and, so it's if it's like a really long run, because then yeah. I can, I did like 12 miles yesterday and ate a big spoonful of peanut butter before I walked out the door. I, I, I was, went up to like 160 during my run, but by the end I was down to 110. And well, and it's, and I know I read that you also have like a little um, honey thing in your back or whenever you're running, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll bring honey with me on like ultra marathons or other, I, I experiment with different, different things. I think that next time you say the word, Oh, when I'm running ultra marathons, you need to flip your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Not many people can say that. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, there's a lot of walking in an ultra marathon. Like I I didn't realize (laughs) that like, Oh, I, people talk about running like marathons in general. And unless you're like competing at a competitive level, most people are walking at some point. Right. So I fall apart at like mile 18, no matter what, like it doesn't matter. I'm going to be walking at some point at mile 18 because I'm hungry. My stomach doesn't want food. Right. My blood sugar is probably doing something that is unexpected because I'm at mile 18 of, run and no matter how much I practice your body doesn't get used to that or at least my body doesn't it still hurts <laughs> so you went from couch potato to this like ridiculous athlete so what was that I mean you just flipped the switch and decided to start like jogging one day or what um no I I, I it was all dietary um yeah I wanted I had my blood sugars in good control but I didn't have my diet in control mm-hmm and I wanted to figure out how to do that. And I had heard a lot of people talk about like the Dr. Bernstein, like yeah. low carb, extreme right. diet. And I was like, well, there's no reason not to tr- try at least like look at it and, and, right. and give, give some, some tries to it. I, I think, um, I think he can be a little bit strict. I think some followers of followers of him can be a little, um, in your face? Yeah. There's only one way to do it. And there's, there's multiple ways to do his techniques. And it's not a hundred percent my way or no way. Like, and, uh, I think that's it's also real- diabetes management because what works for somebody might not work for the next person. So right. you have to adjust 
to what you but, need. I, but I think no matter what, like the less carbs that like the whole, his whole premise is like, it's called the rule of small numbers and the less carbs you take, the less insulin you take, the smaller the margin of error you're going to have right. when you're making corrections. And that totally made sense to me. And so I started reducing my carbohydrates. Uh, I, like I had said, I graduated college with a liberal arts degree and I worked in a kitchen. So I learned how to cook a lot of food. So like I love cooking. So for me, cooking low carb was like an experiment of how can I make mashed cauliflower taste better? Right. Because I would just want mashed potatoes, but like <laughs> mashed potatoes don't really, my blood sugar doesn't really like, I can see the CGM's effect from mashed potatoes. So let's see right. how I can make cauliflower not taste like cauliflower. And it involves a lot of cream cheese and sour cream and you can do it, but it's not. <laughs> it's not the same. It's still high calories. So like right. uh, that, that was a, a, a thing I had to slowly work towards, but um, I immediately like felt like it was just like this when my blood sugars like leveled out mm -hmm. and I got off the roller coaster mm -hmm. because I was eating low carb. I like didn't realize how cloudy my mind had been for decades. Right. Like I didn't realize how like, I mean, my body hurts a lot cause I run and I do crazy right. things, but like I didn't realize how like uncomfortable I was mm. physically from like just being bloated from taking yeah. so much insulin and like, um, and eating when I wasn't hungry and, and like as I, my levels leveled out, like I realized I could eat when I was hungry instead right. of eating because I took insulin, um, which I, I made a big insulin change to the inhaled insulin right. when, I, when I did okay. that, which also allowed me to not have to feed the tail of insulin. Right. which helped help, help for weight loss too because I wasn't like following up um, a meal with like a low blood sugar three hours later. Right. Um, I, I had a lot of problems with that um, with injected insulin. So I, I was um, – the inhal inhaled insulin, Afrezza, really helped me um, to be able to just like focus on dosing insulin for like – the now instead of having to like plan the, plan the, the next five hours or yeah. so because uh, uh novolog is which i what i was using and it had a pretty long tail on it um well, again, so, for people too i mean you know how quickly things react and i just learned about insulin production and it's crazy the chemical makeup and how it all works and i'm not going to pretend like i know but it was fascinating to learn about and I've yeah. tried Fresa one time, maybe twice. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. It, and nobody's paying me to say that. Like I was just floored by why I hadn't heard about it before. No, they don't pay me to say anything either. Um, <laughs> they should. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to get them to pay me to do something, but um, it, it's, hard to get a, it's, it's hard to get a job in the medical field with a liberal arts degree. Um, <laughs> I've got, a, I've got an environmental geography degree. Let's not kid ourselves. Like there's, there's no jobs there and they don't even offer that degree any longer, which is so be it. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, um, but, but no, I, I just really believe in the product because it's, 
my entire life I've been chasing an immediate, like something that can immediately fix my blood sugar. Yeah. And I ended up stacking a lot of doses, having yeah. a lot of low blood sugars because I was so impatient for the, the fast acting insulin to, right. to slowly start working and that I like Afreza showed me that it, like insulin can work within like, I say I, I, it shows up, it starts to bend in three, three dots of my, my Dexcom. Graph. Which is 15 minutes, right? Which is 15 yeah. minutes. Like by the 20th minute, if like it's still going up, I know that I should probably take some more. Um, and sometimes I overdo it, but um, most of the time it, 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 it comes back down and it's done working like in less than two hours. So well, that's the even if I do take a little too much, I know it's not going to be like a four hour ordeal of yeah. eating. Okay. So I want to, because we're, I mean, this is, you're hilarious. Um, going into, you lost like a hundred pounds, right? Yeah. So like my diet changed a lot. I lost like 30, 30 pounds in like probably three or four months. And then I was like, oh, maybe I can try running again. Hmm. And uh, I started, well, I was trying to play soccer when I like hit my high, high weight. And I was just like, I'm going to hurt myself. I, I weigh too much. My joints can't handle this. Like, <laughs> 30 years old trying to trying to play soccer again. And, uh, and, and so then I started like trying to do some conditioning and I started running and like realizing that like I could run first thing in the morning, not to have to take all this insulin or eat food and I could just run. And, um, and then I like wouldn't eat until I got hungry. So like, it wasn't like, oh, I finished running. I have to eat now because my blood sugar is going to go low. Like I didn't need to eat because my, and I wasn't hungry. I'm usually not hungry right after I eat or right, right after I run. I'm, I'm right after I eat. I'm not hungry either, but right after I run, um, I'm usually not hungry. My stomach's like, I need a minute. Um, so like I, I started doing some intermittent fasting, um, just naturally. Um, and, and I think the, the higher fat and protein diet, like, keep me satiated longer and as I like coupled that with running I like the next 60 pounds just like pretty much fell off of me that's crazy and now I've just been quarantined gaining gaining some weight back but uh. <laughs> yeah I've been eating more carbs and I'm a low carb person I mean and have been for ages yeah I, guess, I can eat popcorn I can eat this yeah um probably shouldn't yeah, I've been I've been slipping slipping a lot more carbs into the diet lately, um, just because of laziness mostly. And oh, yeah, yeah. Convenience, which is funny because I have all this time being on quarantine to <laughs> right to, do to like cook food, but I'm like ah, I just want to eat something now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've cooked my I've cooked so much lately. It's it. I was thinking about it today. I'm thankful to have food and all the things, but it's just like God, one more thing I've got to think about. What am I going to prepare? Then there's the yeah. prep. There's all the things that go into it. Make, then you lose one ingredient that doesn't work. And it doesn't matter. Okay, so I want to transition into you. Uh, uh, you. I don't even understand how this is possible. You hiked the Appalachian Trail. I had to look it up to see exactly where that started and where it ended. Mm -hmm. I also had to look up a number of terms because I didn't know what Sobo and Nobo were. Okay. So, I mean, it was. I learned so much. I learned so much. So why, okay, what will you get up one day and like, I'm going to do this. Like, um, 
I, so there was a trip every year at camp that we, we were in New Jersey and there's a, the, the trail goes through New Jersey and it's funny cause like the section of trail when I hiked on it, just like, what was that probably September or October? I hiked, it was probably September. I like, I blinked. I was at the place where they had dropped us off. And then I was like, I don't even know where we stopped hiking because I think that I passed that within an hour of walking. Like I was like, <laughs> Oh wow. I used to hike this like multiple times a year at camp. And then, uh, cause I worked as a counselor there. So I, I went on this trip all the time. So like that kind of set the, planted the seed for the Appalachian trail because like just this idea that this trail near camp goes across the whole country. Right. Um, and I, I just thought that that was really cool. And then when I was in college, I did a class, um, my writing seminar class for my undergrad was on the Appalachian trail. And so we had to take a four day trip as a class on the Appalachian trail where we hiked Maryland um, and that was like the first time I did a backpacking, like a multiple day trip. And I did that with a pump and I was like, Oh wow. Like, it's a lot you gotta pump, take. pump supplies take up a lot of space, but I want to do this. Like I like, but the fact that I did this small trip makes me want to do a bigger trip. Right. Um, and so then I put it on the back burner because I graduated college and I thought I was supposed to find a job and I never really did find a job. It's certainly never, not any that I loved uh, enough to stay. And um, uh, I had some money saved up and you know, I do this. I'd lost enough weight that I was like, Oh wow. I, my backpack fully packed is still with on me is still less than when I weighed at my highest point. So I should probably try to do this now. And that's what I was going to ask. So how much did your pack weigh? Uh, <clears throat> it weighed about seven, like my base weight, which is weight without food and water was like 17 pounds. Um, and then <clears throat> with food and water, I'd probably be pushing 30 pounds. Um, that's nothing. Uh, it felt like a lot. <laughs> Uh, and, and there were times where it was like so dry that I was carrying probably a gallon of water on me, especially through New York state. And so at those times I was probably pushing more like 35. I wouldn't be surprised if I had 40 pounds a few times. Uh, but yeah. It, Where's your insulin? Cause you're you, how uh, it, like, were you, what were you taking for basil? I was taking Traceba. So how many, how many pens did you take? I had two, two on me at a time. So I had, I had the one that I was using and the one that would be next up. Uh, Traceba, I don't know if people know, but it's a 60-day shelf life once it comes to room yeah. temperature um, instead of 30 days like a lot of other insulins. So right. uh, I usually use a pen in just under a month. So like, um, And then I had a fridge stocked at my parents' house that they, um, they would ship. Um, more insulin as I needed. Um, I also had prescriptions that I could, I, rural, filling prescriptions rurally at a different pharmacy every time is difficult. Um, <laughs> but I, I made a point to do it a few times just because I was paying for insurance and I still wanted to fill my, um, yeah. my, my prescriptions while I could. Um, so like I carried, <clears throat> 
uh, I always carried more insulin than I needed, um, which is kind of what we do. Um, But I never ran out. I had one close call in Virginia uh, where I ended up having to stay an extra day in town because they ordered the wrong insulin and uh, it was like a weekend. So then they wouldn't get it till month. It, One so thing there, there. It's like everybody's worst nightmare. Yeah. So, so it was, <clears throat> it was okay. I had some in a, in a box that was mailed to me, but it wasn't going to be enough to get me through the Shenandoahs. So I had to wait an extra day to like get that. But, um, uh, a Frezza says it needs refrigeration. I leave that stuff in my car and it still works fine in the heat of Florida. So <clears throat> it's a powder. I don't really see how it can really. Well, they have to put so many like restrictions or I don't know what the words are, but you know, yeah, I'm not going to whatever. Um, yeah. They say like, it says something ridiculous, like three days or 10 days or something like like, I, I don't know how they get, like, how, like, liquid insulin has this, like, 30-day thing, but, like, a powder that's dehydrated and, like, right in a air-proof pouch is, um, I, humidity does, it does clump up in humidity, so, like, once sure. I break the seal on the, the, the blister packs, it, it, I could see it clumping up and that being an issue, but, like. Okay, so you CGM. What are what CGM were you using through this hike? <laughs> I used. Uh, I only used two CGMs. I used. Uh, I started with the um, the implanted EverSense because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to be swimming a lot. This is going to be great. Like I can just take this off and go swimming and like, yeah. throw it back on, and I don't have to worry about losing. Uh, it has to charge. You have to charge it every day, which became a hassle. Um, yeah. But, like, I had a charger to charge my phone every day. So, like, it wasn't that big of a hassle. Um, the The real problem was if the temperature dropped below 60, I'd get these, like, no reading, like, too cold um, errors. Like, it, it, like, there were more times that it was giving me bad readings than it was giving – it probably gave me good readings more than it gave me bad readings, but there were – too many times that it wasn't working well. Inconsistent. Um, yeah. That when it was time to like get a new sensor, I was like, no, nah, I'm just going back to the Dexcom. And I had like some G5s stashed up. So I used those. Um, Everybody's got their stash, hopefully. The, the, yeah, the battery didn't like, didn't last very long on, on the transmitters, but um, I was able to, to finish the last three three months of my hike uh, with the G5. Um, How long did this hike take? It took five and a half months. I started July. Well, I technically started in May because I did the Smokies um, so that I could skip them in December because I didn't really want to go into the Smoky Mountains in December because they they get, there's some of the highest mountains in the Appalachians and I didn't really want to be in the snow. Um, so I did those in May, and then July 10th, I started in Maine and hiked. What was, okay, so I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, but the fluctuation in temperature, highest to lowest, during that five and a half long trek? Uh, I'm sure it broke 100 degrees. Um, 
at times in August. Um, I just, yeah, New Jersey and New York State, New York State especially was just brutally hot. Connecticut was really hot. Um, Wait, and, were you about uh, ticks? Yes, but I didn't have I didn't have any issues with them. But so yeah, that was pro- probably my biggest. Of all wildlife that I was most afraid of going on the trail, the smallest creature was the the, 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 the tick. That, that was probably the biggest fear that I had because bears are more likely going to run away from you. And but a tick's going to jump on you. Tick's going to take take a ride. And um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I um, Maine had the most bugs, and I treated treated my clothes um in like a a spray that lasts for six it says five or six wash cycles so by the time i got out of maine most of the mosquitoes were gone and um i just think that that was probably the the worst area for bugs and um i i would i wore long pants even though i wanted to be in shorts just to prevent just, just to take that extra layer of protection and um did you only have one pair of shoes no i went through five pairs of shoes okay during the hike so you just picked them up along the way yeah amazon's great so you can just i, order, I, I ordered things on amazon and they just drop them at hostels or hotels like at That's the hotel so address and, um so they're, they're they were pretty great um yeah. Did you primar- primarily um, hike alone, or I know you picked up a couple of people along the way? No, I hiked with my girlfriend um, for for most of it. She started northbound in April, um, and so like I hiked with her in the Smokies, and then in July she jumped up to Maine and we hiked together. And then when she got back to Virginia, she left, and I finished on my own. Kind of, she came and helped me, um, like. Uh, brought some support with a car because it got really cold. Like you asked what my coldest temperature was. I think I saw 12, Ooh. 12 degrees. I, I know it was in the teens one, a couple mornings and the top of some of these mountains and <clears throat> it just November got cold. Like end of October and November got cold, really cold, really fast this year. Uh, there was like almost no fall. It just <laughs> like went, went right into winter and uh, I hiked for like five days straight through snow it's only like four inches or so, but like it, it stayed yes. cold after it snowed. So there was snow on the mountains for multiple days. Okay. Um, so all the diabetes supplies, I mean, I just cannot imagine. So, and I mean, I know when I, I, mean, I go for a walk in my neighborhood, I've got like starburst in my jacket or whatever. Like, how did you, how did you? I had, I had three fanny packs. Okay. My two, two, I had a, like a pack that like clipped onto my belt buckle, mm-hmm. um, from, from my backpack. And then I wore a fanny pack as well. The fanny pack I wore carried all my insulin. No, carried my low treatments. Then so my, yeah, I had like Skittles, Starbursts, some peanut butter cups, whatever, candy I had picked up in town at like a dollar general. Then the, the next back, the, the, the pouch on my backpack was like all my insulin. And then I had this chest pouch that was just snacks for the day. 
Um, so like that was like, I, I mean, diabetes or not, I need food all day. Right. Like when you're walking like that, it's just like I ate constantly. Um, but the, the extra fanny packs was, it was mainly for, for, they were my, my, my pancreas. One was for lows, one was for highs. And then in my backpack, I kept, um, more packs of, of, of the Afreza, um, yeah, but it, 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 like, it wasn't really that much that I had to carry because I was going into, I was dropping into a town every five days on average, four or five days. So like, I really only needed to have enough insulin to get me a few, like to get me three to five days ahead. Um, and I was so like insulin was so potent because of how hard I was working. Like oh, yeah. I, I barely needed it. Um, I actually ended up pushing my basil up <laughs> and taking less of because the Afreza was just like dropping me way too quickly. So like <laughs> I was trying to eat lower carb on the, on, on trail and just letting the protein like slowly raise my blood sugar and letting my, um, Basil kick in. My basil kind of keep dropping it down a little bit. Um, what so would what was your A one C coming out of that? Six. Um, it's which was higher than going into it, but it was mm-hmm. it was expected because I wasn't checking my blood sugar as often. Right. So, like, uh, my blood sugar would, and if I was in the one fifties, like flat i wasn't going to do anything about it because if i tried to bump that down it could become problematic too quickly so like i I accepted slightly higher blood sugars just because i uh, of being in the back country i just didn't want to have an emergency did you with your dex when you switched to dexcom were you using your phone or were you using a receiver i was using my phone did you always have coverage uh no no i but you don't need coverage for that's common but um no i i it was mostly only at the tops of mountains virginia there was like never cell phone service um but i i did have i did have a service most of the time like i was like at least every every two days i was able to like send out text messages post on Instagram. Of course. Post Let on people Instagram. know I'm alive. <laughs> I was going to say, did anybody have um, your Dexcom share? Did you share your data with anybody during the, the trip? Uh, no. Uh, and, and service was too, too, too inconsistent for, right. for, for me to, to do that. I, I've never shared my Dexcom. Uh, I actually use uh, the Night Scout and like, yeah. I have it. I have it post like it posts to a website that I can pull up and like get the information because my phone is not supported by Dexcom, so I have to right. you know, use use other software. Um, and yeah, so like I, I I could share that website, but I wasn't post like I, I I to save my battery life. I was on airplane mode most of the time, so yeah. If anyone was following me, they would have gotten 
old readings or they would have started getting alarms because there was no <laughs> reading and like I mean, yeah i didn't want to freak anybody out yeah and i like the fact that you mentioned in one of the things that i read that um there are plenty of people with type one that have actually done this huge hike um mm -hmm. and that was really uh, good to hear i guess or good to read yeah i met i met this one guy um who he's actually pretty cool um he now works in colorado i think at like a ski resort as a paramedic and before he went on trail he was somewhere in maryland as a paramedic uh helicopter paramedic yeah. and uh yeah he we crossed paths and met on i can't think of the name of the mountain it starts with an m and it's like the, it's like the first mountain going northbound into the whites so it was like as i was leaving the white mountains he was coming into the mountain the white mountains How did you know like, he oh. diabetes? uh because he posted about it on uh on social media and so like i followed him um during his hike uh yeah so we we crossed paths and then like i was was i think it was just after that i was somewhere and we stopped at a shelter to just like there was like to leave our pack so we could go climb up to a fire tower and take some pictures and um uh because my girlfriend had hiked northbound she like we were passing a lot of people she had hiked with um as they were making their way northbound so like she we ran into this person she's like oh i i remember you from probably north carolina and then this girl comes out and I see her pump tubing and I was like, Oh no way. Are you diabetic? And, uh, so then <laughs> like we started talking, talking about, um, diabetes and like, it was like, da -da 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 -da. yeah. And so like there, there's people every year that do it. And then like, Oh, when I dropped, uh, Jess, my girlfriend off at, um, Amicola falls, uh, which is the state park in the, the South, um, in uh, Georgia, the the ridge runner, which is someone who like runs between towns to make sure people are to educate people about how to like leave no trace and right. pick up after themselves and um, all that. He was doing the like check in for people um, and who were registering their hike. And I see his pump tubing coming out of his, oh. uh, his, his fanny pack. And I'm just, so like after his thing, I was like, Hey, are you, are, is that an insulin pump? And he's like, yeah. And I was just like, Oh wow, that's awesome. He had hiked it like a couple years prior. And, um, you know, he like gave me his email address. He's like, yeah, if you have any questions, ask me like, like be in touch. So that's awesome. When you see one of your people in the wild, I think it's hilarious because you're like, yeah. do you say something? Do I bring attention <laughs> to this or not? I saw somebody on the beach one day and I was like, um, she had on a pod and I'm like, oh. Yeah. I, I saw someone in Rangeley, I think it was Rangeley, New Hampshire, Maine. Yeah, Rangeley, Maine. Um, and she had a, a pod on. And, and I was like, my girlfriend, I was like, oh, that's an insulin pump. And she's like, what? And then the girl overheard me saying, I was like, sorry, I'm diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was like really cool. Cause like then 
like they because like, I think it's important to see like especially she was probably twelve or so to see yeah. to see like younger adults doing things that are like yeah. not just getting a job and going to work every day right know uh, the job the job the job's the job and we all need them but like I, I I don't know. I living down in Florida, I see so many people retiring. Yeah, and they've spent their whole lives working, and I'm just like, I can't. We're gonna can't. find it. We're gonna find a smoke <laughs> <a> job. <laughs> this is my hobby, which you know started out blogging, has turned into a total whirlwind. But I, I want to say, because you know, and we seek out people like you, and um, because we are an inspiration to. I'm going to say for parents and for the younger people that, you know, their, their diagnosis is very different because they started with technology and the advancements in insulin therapy. But you know, what you're doing is incredible. And it's one yeah. of those things about breaking the glass ceiling when you feel like maybe at some point in your life, you are limited. And one of the things, and I don't want to end this conversation again, we'll have a follow-up episode because I want to get into more details, but you know, one of the things I want to start interviewing or asking is what would you tell your younger self? Ooh. Wow. Deep, right? Yeah. I, I'd probably, so I, I love my parents and they have given me nothing but, but support and like making sure I had the insulin pump when I needed and when I wanted an insulin pump and right. like, like always providing me the best care that they could find because that's what parents parents want to do. Um, but when I hit the point in college where I didn't know what I wanted to study and like I got the like, it was always, well, if you drop out, what are you going to do for your insulin? How are you going to get your insulin? Because at that point I was on insurance through college and stuff like that. And I would just tell my younger self is you're going to find it. Yeah. Like you're going to like insulin is available. No one will let you go without insulin. Like no one in the whole country. Like if I, if I don't have insulin, it's my fault. Like I didn't do anything to get it because between all the, all the medical companies have plans to help you. If you are in a, financial right. crisis they will make sure that you get insulin you, you might have to pay out of pocket to see a doctor and they might have to mail it to the doctor but like they'll they'll make sure you get your insulin because right. you're a customer and if you die like they're out of customer like as morbid as that sounds but like that's right like, like they'd rather help you out so that when you do have insurance you still use their product right um and um, there are doctor, like your doctors have samples. Yeah. Like, 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 I've had plenty of times in my life where I was uninsured and called my endo if I had an endo or called the GP or looked at other resources and, um, yeah, the things are out there and I'm hopefully going to, not hopefully I will soon have a resources page that everything is like a right there. So if yeah. you come into that moment because it's overwhelming. I mean, especially if you're in fear mode and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm running out of whatever insulin you're in panic instead of. Let's yeah. And it is scary. And I didn't realize how much I was 
not accepting of diabetes. Like, even though, like, I was managing it well, like, I didn't realize how, like, much I was using it as an excuse to, like, it took me until I was 30 to chase a dream of hiking the, or, or well, 33 now, but it, it took me until I was 32 years old, 33 years old, before I hiked to the Appalachian Trail when it was a dream I had when I was 17. Mm. And diabetes was often a reason why I wasn't ready yet. And mm. uh, because I didn't know how I was going to get the medication. I didn't know like how you were going to make it happen. I was going to like keep insurance while I was there. Like, yeah, I, like there were, there were so many, like, I don't know that like, but I, I, I think there, I don't think diabetes should ever be an excuse. And it often becomes excuses in ways that I don't even realize. Yeah. Um, and, and like it, 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 I didn't even realize I was making an excuse. Like I, I wasn't even realized I was using diabetes as an excuse not to do something until I was actually doing it. And I was like, Oh wow. I didn't even think about diabetes today. Like I, right. I was thinking how hard it was to climb up and over this mountain, but like, I wasn't like, Oh man, am I going to have enough insulin when I get to, 300 miles from here, like that, that didn't matter. I have to get, put my next foot forward, my, like my next step forward is really all that matters at that, at that point. So uh, I would probably tell my younger self that like, there are ways to get the medication and the supplies that you need. Um, and I think also to that is that, and I say this often because sometimes you're ashamed or, you know, whatever the circumstances are because you, you don't have insurance or need those things, but it's okay to ask for help. Right. I think that's one of the things that we're all a little trepidatious about. And um, yeah, we're here to lean on each other. And it's, it's, it's great that, and I will say just like when you spot a T1D in the wild and you say something, I think that there are so many groups out there that are supporting each other. Like, Hey man, I'm stressed. I lost my insurance. Does anybody have any extra whatever? Yeah. And um, you know, we're taking care of each other. And I think that's great. I've had people help me out that way. And I've helped people yeah. out that way. And Ditto. I know, I know legally we're not supposed to, but. Well, I'm working on that. Like I, when I interviewed the folks at Nova Nordisk um, in the past episode, um, why is it? I mean, it's a controlled substance, I guess, and you have to have a prescription, but. I just think that's, I mean, if I, I'd like to know, has anybody ever been arrested for giving somebody some insulin because they were out? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think the United <laughs> States Postal Service is a bigger drug dealer than we realize, than we give them credit to between Colorado and insulin, Colorado <laughs> marijuana market and the insulin <laughs> that I, I've sent, like, uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that gets sent through the post office that shouldn't be sent through. The Don't post be office. leaking that because then it will stop. <laughs> I need you to not say that out loud. <laughs> well, you can cut that part out of the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I, I think they they ask the questions they're supposed to ask when you ship something. Right. And um, uh, I, I think there's an issue of like, is it going to maintain its temperature? Like, Oh yeah. Can't yeah. guarantee the potency of it if it's sure. been, like if it hasn't been shipped in like on ice and Right. So Okay, I want to end with this because I have to end this, unfortunately. Okay. What yeah. you haven't you have a hike coming up. Yes. 
I think so. What is it? Well, um, if you don't want to if, talk about it, don't. if everything opens, if the country opens back up and the, the, the national parks that this trail goes through opens back up, I'm planning to hike the Pacific Northwest Trail, which is uh, 1,200 miles. It goes westbound. I don't know if that's Wobo or um, how, <laughs> how they shorten that, but it, it starts in Glacier National Park um, and goes to the westernmost part of the United States, which is on the Olympic Peninsula, um, a little piece that kind of juts out. Um, <laughs> On, on the on the beach there and um, 1200 miles it's pretty much followed like along the Canadian border um, it's, it's way up there um, so that would be in July that I'd be starting based on snow melt yeah in previous years um, as long as the parks reopen and I can get permits to, to hike it because right now they're not working on opening the national parks that are still covered in snow because sure. there's no reason. So, so they're not really talking about it. So it, if uh, it, it's, it's a big if, but it's a probably going to happen either way because I am moving out of my house June 1st. So I, I'm You're either going to be homeless <laughs> or hiking a trail. <laughs> yeah. So, which are basically the same thing. <laughs> so I don't know how you feel I got to say, I have a phone call tomorrow with the National Park Service uh, with a couple uh-huh. of folks there. So we're going to, I'm encouraging some projects. I want to bring you in once we solidify some things because I have to get clearance before I can say anything out loud. But uh-huh. exciting times and um, I feel pretty confident you'll be hiking that pretty soon. Yeah. Have you, have you ever gotten your, did you, I get heard on one of your podcasts, someone talked about a, a pack getting being able to get a pack i'm gonna put that in these show notes like how you can get your free because for anybody that's listening and i have not done this because i'm not a hiker really at all (laughs) is um uh you get a free free pass to all national parks if you have type 1 diabetes and i've sent that to a couple of friends who have said it was easy breezy to do and yeah Mm -hmm. so did you pay for yours or are you i don't i don't have one uh i didn't i didn't need one okay on the hike, uh, on the hike that I was on, because the Smokies are the Smoky National Park is the only free national park. So that was the one national park I went through. The other national park was the Shenandoahs, and it's free okay. if you walk in. So okay. since I was walking, I didn't have to pay anything. So Smokies, I had to pay the through hiking permit, which is like twenty dollars. But I even if I had a national parks pass, I still would have had to pay that backcountry permit fee. Right. Um, so I, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. I was going to do this now, but parks are closed. So there's like a national monument in my town that I was going to go and try to get it, get it there. But I'll see, you know, I'll, I'll get the details hopefully tomorrow and I'll make sure that you get them so that you right. get the free pass. That'd be great. Cause I don't know if I, I don't know. I, I know you can walk in and do it. Like I've heard people doing that, but I just don't know if they're current because of the condition of yeah. the coronavirus. I don't know where I can go in and, and talk to someone and get one printed. So I might have to do it by mail or by internet. How cool would it be to have like a day or let's just say a time frame that we encourage all people with T- T1D to be on a trail and you know, just to, A, we all need to be active, but B, to support the National Park Service 
as well. Like there's a lot that can grow from this. Well, I think so. And I think because they recognize us as, I I don't necessarily feel disabled, but like, (laughs) but like if I can get into a national park because of this condition I was dealt, like I, yeah, I appreciate them for being like, Hey, you, right. (laughs) You got some bad cards. Let's give you a good one. Um, So, so yeah, I, I, I think supporting the national parks, I think supporting all parks, uh, like yeah, state park shut down here in Florida for the, uh, the quarantine. And it's, it's been difficult for myself to get out to trails. Right. And I've been doing a lot of essential, non-essential travel because I have to drive almost two hours to get to an open trail. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's essential for my own mental well-being um, to get to those trails. But um, I feel like I shouldn't be doing that when I'm driving through some of these really small towns and I'm like, you know, I would hate to find out someone got this because I decided to go through this town just to go get to a trail. So are you going inside? So in these small towns, are you going into places? I've had to stop and get gas. Right. (laughs) Are you wearing a mask? No. What? Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go there, but, um, well, no, actually, depending on where I am, I, I, I always have a buff and I'll throw the buff over my, my head sometimes, okay. but like, I'm not like, I, I'm not as vigilant about it as I could be. Um, it, it, yeah, that's the, number, the numbers yeah, that's where we are, aren't really that, I don't know if it's the heat of Florida or no. something, but like, we don't really have a lot of it here. That's good. Um, it's really bad in Miami because it's like densely populated down there but like around here maybe like 15 people in the whole county have died from it and like uh, not that that's like but like it's there's over i know what you mean there's half a million people here like it's (laughs) um and and we have a high percentage of elderly um, oh yeah so so i don't know (laughs) I wear masks sometimes, but just wash your hands, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. And like I said, I'll follow up with some stuff and all of the hike. If there's any information you want me to put in the show notes, whether that's your blog or how, you know, your, you know, anything that would help somebody that's interested in, in hiking period, not just a a big trail like the Appalachian trail. Okay. Uh, We want to encourage people to get out and be active and to feel comfortable with type one diabetes in that type of atmosphere. So it, it, I feel like if you can survive, anybody can survive. Right. I mean, I <laughs> barely, I barely made it, but I made it. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> You're going to do no, I, I think, I think, I, I think anyone is capable of doing anything. Um, yeah. Like the, the only person that ever stops me from doing something is myself. It's not, that is so it's not really any anyone else's fault but mine if i yep. if i don't do something that's yeah well said all right well enjoy the rest of your week and uh i'll be in touch thanks bye bye
I completely appreciate and respect Mike's passion to stay active. He's an inspiration to us all and has me taking it up a notch. What that looks like right now, I'm not sure, but yeah, we'll, I'll keep you posted. I look forward to hitting the trails and maybe you could join me or someone else in the diet community. More details coming soon on how to connect, so be sure to stay engaged. If you or your organization, company would like to get involved in this movement, hit us up. Hit Cynthia up, I should say. It's Cynthia at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. She's really good about partnerships. Before I wrap up, I just have a few last minute things I'd like to share. Number one, be sure to check out all the cool things soon to happen at Courage Endures. They really mirror what I tried to do here at the Diabetes Daily Grind, and they're an incredible partner. There's a link in the show notes. Let's check them out. Number two, I want to thank the medical community, grocery delivery services, local restaurants, and fellow advocacy groups for providing valuable resources during this time. Thank you from the bottom of my T1D heart. Number three, don't forget to submit your hit the trails hashtag on social media and via email at Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. And just remember with the partnerships, no curse words, please. <laughs> and finally, please continue to leave iTunes reviews and love, like, and share all things social media. If you want to con- contact me directly, I can always be reached at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com and getting a message from you makes my heart happy and keeps the episodes coming. That's a wrap. Stay safe and get outdoors. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone.